Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. So, welcome back everyone to Callum Hughes Presents Creative Minds. In this next podcast, I'm switching it up a little bit with the main man, Leo Gregory. Uh, Leo is a respected actor hailing from London. Uh, In the past, he starred in BAFTA award-winning pieces such as The Mark of Cain, Out of Control. He's also starred in films such as Green Street alongside the likes of Elijah Wood, Charlie Hunnam. He works as a rep for Intertalent and he also collaborates with men's casual wear brand Weekend Defender. So I'm just going to invite him in now. Easy, Hello, mate. How's it going? Right. All good, mate. Uh, how are you keeping? Yeah, sweet as a nut. Well, sweet as can be in this bollocks that is 2020. I know, mate. I know. I know what you mean. But I'd, I think I'd rather be sat where you are in Ibiza instead of this fucking apartment in Birmingham where I am now, mate. Uh, listen, I've done worse bang-ups, bro. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Listen, listen, before we start... Um, I just wanted to say, now obviously when we last spoke, I yeah. promised you that I wasn't going to mention us battering you 6-1 at Old Trafford. <laughs> 100% I won't do that. <laughs> to be fair, I was going to send you uh, a picture when West Ham scored that equaliser and I thought, well, he hasn't got, he hasn't done the podcast yet, so I thought he might just say fuck off now if I send him that picture last minute. <laughs> there you go, Matt. I think that's one all now. <laughs> quality but um how, how has it been being being in ibiza because obviously it's probably the strangest year that's ever existed on on the island what, what's it been like living there this year it's been completely different um i'll tell you what when i first got out here if i had a euro for every person said oh no you just got to embrace it. It's going to be like the 60s and this. Shut up. <laughs> it was very quiet. Um, it was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, the weather, the beaches, without sounding like one of those uh, Mother Nature ones, the water was so stunning and all of that stuff. So, no, you notice the lack of pollution or the boat pollution, but I would be a massive liar to say that. DC 10 once or twice a week. I know, mate, I know. <laughs> I was speaking to one of my pals before he was done a season and he goes, fuck off. He goes, you're interviewing Leo. He goes, I always see him at Circle Loco. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you, mate. Like, I've only been Ibiza a couple of times, but, like, DC 10 for me, as soon as I land on, like, a Sunday or Monday, straight away, just thinking Circle Loco, DC 10. And I feel sorry for them guys, man, because they've been... They've built that brand and that club from nothing for years and it's at like this international level now and it must be fucking heartbreaking man for some of these people that have just put everything into you know creating a movement like that do you know what i mean obviously like you said they've built a massive brand they're friends of mine so they've they've done very well they've built a massive brand i've got to be honest and say right at the beginning right at the beginning of it when people were talking about the season I noticed there was, I don't know, there was a lot of people trying to, uh, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, trying to trying to make out that they were going to do bits and don't worry, the parties are out. Yeah, there. yeah. I think it was amnesia, they just like cancelled once a month. To be fair to those guys, they were all about health, all about everyone being okay, you know, yeah. they weren't out in front of Taste of Bark or whatever, whatever. Um, so yeah, respect to them and listen, they'll be, they'll be yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, ho- hopefully it sorts itself out next year because I don't think I could go another year without uh, DC10. Uh, well, yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Um, no, listen, we've, got, we've all got to hope that it all gets back to some form of normality. Uh, yes, obviously, for people that have built up brands. Yes, obviously, for people's money and livelihoods. But also, you know what? For me, it's, I've, I've took it. I've took it both ends, if you will, because uh, for me, football was 
my release, my therapy. Yeah, yeah. And also the church of DT10 and, and, you know, a glitter box or whatever. But yeah, you know, those things, for a lot of people, they're their, their therapy, their, you know, interaction, their time to see friends. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, as well as the obvious things, I think for people's spirits and mental health, um, you know, yes, long, you know, may come back as quickly as fucking possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, what I always do with all my guests, because to be fair, you're the first person I've had on from the film industry, and like anyone who knows me, they're always saying, oh, fucking shut up, you're on about this film and this series and whatever, so... I do like to think I'm a bit of a film buff, but I'll probably trip myself up having not watched something that's really obvious. But um, what I always like to do is just go right the way back to like the start of your career and how you got your foot in the door. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know these Wikipedia pages are sometimes a load of bollocks, but it did say that, I think when you were 15, did you get expelled from school, then you finished your education, then you went into film, or am I talking shit? Okay, so you're asked right and wrong. So <laughs> I, I got into Yeah. I, I got spotted for something and asked to audition for it. Uh, ended up getting the part. Had to do an American accent, and uh, and I flew over to like Luxembourg, and France, and Germany to do this thing. It was an American thing, and uh, so I did that. I was this little naughty little kid out there, you know, all the all, all the um, glamorous actresses. You know, I was going up and giving them puddles and all that. <laughs> What, what was what was the first sorry carry on mate with the school bit just to get you onto that one so yeah so i acted for a few years did, did that thing it was called jules it was an mdc miniseries did uh did a show called did a bit on a show called the upper hand with um on a black man who passed not too long ago um and then you know like rights of passage the bill east enders that kind of stuff but yeah combination because what, what I've always rated about you is like even though you've done different roles um you're, you're very much like you're always you you don't try and be something that you're not as an individual so do you feel like people have always rated you in the film industry because what you see is what you get you don't try and be something that you're not but also a combination of having a good agent as well do you feel like it was a combination of the two when you were when you were coming up Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, what you see is what you get, and, you know, I'm not one, I'm not much for all the kind of, uh, I don't know, the bullshit side. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah, yeah. Selling yourself and doing this and the, 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 like, networking everywhere, going to the opening of an envelope, you know, in the hope that you've seen. So, that was never really part of my DNA. So, um, so in fact, one of the things that people, I dare say, they would still say to me if they hadn't seen it, one thing that I used to love when I was young and coming up was I'd be out or I'd meet someone and they'd say, they'd say, uh, I'd, they'd say, I'm going to do and I'd be like, oh, that's it. And they'd be like, oh, fucking way, we thought you were a chippy, a plasterer, a labourer, a scaffolder, blah, blah, blah. And then 
then they sort of go, oh shit, like they said really something really, really offensive to me. Yeah. And I just love that because to me, if I could go off and act and, and make a career without being, uh, i got to watch what I said, without being, uh, um, that was brilliant to me. So I took that as a compliment. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, the actors can be a funny breed or whatever, do you know what I mean? So I always thought that's a compliment. So in terms of the acting, you know, I would, whether I'm nailing or not, I've never been scared of, of an accent. You know, I've never been scared of, you know, trying to, you know, speak posh or whatever, you know, da, da, da. I've always tried to mix it up. Whereas in sort of reverse of what you said, it would have been a lot easier, a lot easier if I'd just gone, you know, I'm a one-trick pony. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But um, that's what I was going to ask is some people say no matter what industry they're successful in, sometimes to get their foot in the door, they might do something that's not actually what they want to do, but to get noticed. But I'm picking up that with you, you'll just kind of, no, this this is what I'm going to do, and that's the way I'm going to get noticed, whereas... Yeah, you know, yes and no. So you're right in that sense. So for all of... For all of the other stuff, you know, like I say, turning up to every every event, every screening, every premiere, every this, that, and the other, that was never, never in my DNA. But the things that you're talking about that you do to get noticed that you maybe not want to do, they would be they would be more the working side of things. So it might, you know, it might be a job. The obvious one to say is that it's a job for zero money. Lot of hard work. Yeah. Now that is something that I would always have done, you know, because it was learning craft. It was what I wanted to do, what I enjoyed doing. Yeah. Yes. At the end of the day, we all want a nice paycheck. Mm. But at that point, I was getting out of it what I needed. Yeah. For me, I need to turn up to some event to make up numbers so the PR person looks good, so that the photos look busy. You know, and sort of like hovering around, waiting to speak to that one person. Mm. Might say to me, uh, that was never me. Yeah, yeah, fair play. But um, who would you say like your main mentors were? You know, like when you were honing your craft, and obviously, you know, there's probably some aspects of your acting that you were naturally good at. Who were like the main people that really probably sh- shaped you or molded you in certain ways? Or did, was it a lot of it just kind of you learning from your own mistakes and then? taking a step back and thinking, I'll do that better next time, or...? But pretty much. I mean, for one thing, I, I never did drama school. Fair play. Uh, in fact, I did, I think I did drama GCSE at the school that I got kicked out of. <laughs> I, think I, got, I think I got kicked off of that on the, like, the first, before half term of the first term or something. Yeah. The irony is I got kicked off my drama course, got kicked out of school, and then went and became an actor. <laughs> It's not necessarily the best advert for the school, um, but uh, so yeah. Um, so in terms of in terms of like mentors or in terms of inspirations, I mean, from the ones I don't know, the actors that I always looked up to and still do would be your actors, actors. So it would be your obviously your De Niro, Pacino, your yeah. uh, your, um, your Tim Roths, your Gary Oldman. Mm. Your, um, you know, your 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 real your Sean Penn's. Yeah, yeah. The 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 real the, the what I would call real actors. So they were my inspirations. They were the reasons that I wanted to do it. And if I could not follow a path, but if there was a path to to go down, that was their path was the one that I wanted to try and emulate. Yeah, yeah. In terms of people that I knew. People that inspired me, that I worked with, or knew, and, and whatever, whatever. Um, a director that I worked with, I did two films uh, a long time ago. A guy called Dominic Savage. We did one film uh, called When I Was Twelve, um, which which beautifully uh, won a BAFTA. And then a year or so later, uh, we did Out of Control. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was this prison-based drama. Both his films were in. Yeah. For those, for those that don't know, it means there's no dialogue in the script. The script will say, Billy walks from his house to the shop. Something happens in the shop and he walks over that. You know, so there's a massive freedom in terms of what you do with the character, what you do 
mm. dialogue. So, anyway, so that and, and that that won uh, Michael Power Awards uh, Edinburgh, um, which is an amazing thing. Yeah. And then off the back of that, if I'm being honest, that opened more doors and uh, yeah, yeah, a bigger agent or whatever else. Yeah, because I was watching parts of Out of Control last night, so I think some of it's still available to watch, and I was studying the character that you played, I was like, fucking hell, like, some character that uh, that you played in that, and it was the same with um, the Mark of Cain as well, and I think it's when you play characters like that, that are, they're not just your bog-standard characters, they're quite, they're quite out there, and like you say, I didn't realise that um, it was improvised, so you were kind of given that freedom to just, you know, take the character with where you wanted to to go, I suppose it was definitely a good way to build credibility and respect, like back in the day. Yeah, it did. I mean, again, for me as a person, I mean, with regards with regards to the making of it, when you're doing it, it's an amazing freedom, you know. And if not, it's not everyone's cup of tea improvisation, but if it's your cup of tea, you're comfortable with it. Yeah. It's the most amazing thing, the most amazing feeling, and you can get some really great work. Um, the flip side of that would be when you watch it back afterwards and go, oh, fucking hell, that came from me. Yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, obviously, have you always lived in London then, have you, from like day one? When. So, no, I was um, was born in Wales, but as I say, I was literally dropped off there. Um, Very early years, um, around the south coast. my grandparents, um, God bless them, my grandparents, they were from Portsmouth. Mm. So when my mum and dad's there, and then she went there, so we were around there for a while. And then I think like, and then probably nine, ten, I was in London. And then, yeah, obviously, done a, done a few years in London. Yeah, yeah. So... Obviously, London within the UK, correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of seen as, you know, if, if you want to get into the arts, acting or whatever, it's it's a good place to move to if you're not from there. Would you advise whether you're an actor or an actress that in order to get that, like, exposure and to meet people, it's imperative? Obviously, at the minute, it's a bit of a hard one, is it? Because w- would you really advise someone to move there now because there's so much uncertainty, like, with... With the film industry, it's a bit of a hard one, isn't it, without how things stand at the minute? Well, with regards to any up-and-coming new actors, performers, creatives, DJs, musicians, um, I've got a bit of advice that someone gave me on a note. It says, um, rethink, retrain. Oh, fuck him, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, listen, all jokes aside, and that really isn't a fucking joke, um, but all jokes aside, uh, like you just said, um, if we were having this conversation a year ago, easiest question in the world to answer, yeah, you've got to be in London, mm. London's where the casting directors are, London's this, that, you know, blah, 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 blah. In this current climate, it's hard to say. I've been out here now June, but all the... All the buzz talk uh, when I was back in town before was all about everybody leaving London. Oh, cities are dangerous, cities are this, cities are that. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. It's hard to say. What I will say is certainly now, and this is, it's, it's been like this for a while, but it's a lot more now for obvious reasons. Just on the acting plan, um, a lot of your auditions are done on self tape. Right, okay. So, don't have to have 20 people queuing up in a corridor to then go in one by one and see the people in the room and maybe someone's dick and that, all that nonsense. So now more than ever, it's all about you do yourself tapes. So I'm not going to start name dropping, but I've got some, I've got friends who are actors who are well actors and they've managed to do it, still being based up north, still being based here, there, or everywhere. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't say that that's a rule for everyone. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, right now, it's not imperative. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, that you definitely do. 
if God forbid next summer we're back to normal and then things get back to normal, yeah, I mean, most of the casting directors are in London. Mm. Most of, uh, you know, you know, a lot of productions have been to London. I mean, obviously, again, going back a little bit further, we had the BBC in London. Um, obviously, that's moved, you know, da 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 And so I would say it's less, less than it's ever been. I'd say it's a better place than any if you're super hungry to do it, but it's not as not as imperative as it was. Yeah, yeah. You know when you're saying about the self the self tapes and you know like get getting yourself known. Say if you had like a real hidden gem of an actor that lived in fucking some small town up north, hardly anyone knew about them and they were undiscovered. Obviously at the minute there's that element of not being able to do face to face networking. So how do you feel at the minute is like the best way of getting noticed? Say if you had a cell tape and you wanted to get it to like a direct contact rather than just a general submission, what what is the normal process? Because I, I don't know what the normal process is. How, how would you say is the best way to go about getting noticed, especially at the minute? I mean, okay, so with regards to a cell tape, So what will happen is you'll have an agent, the casting director is casting for Batman 27, there's a character that they're trying to cast, they send that to the agent, the agent goes, oh, do you know what, I've got X, Y, and Z who could really fit that part. Then the agent will tell them you've got to do a self-take. So the reason I'm explaining this is because Generally speaking, you'll have been asked to do the belt tape. Right. Or the casting director is aware that you're doing the belt tape to the agent sending it. So, for instance, like, it may happen, I can't say, but this is just from my experience. It's not like I'm going to read Batman 27's casting in a, in a newspaper and think, shit, 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 I'm going to do a self tape and try and send it to someone because you haven't got the script to read, you don't, you know, you don't know the character that you're going for. So, in terms of your power or ability, once you've sent the tape, or you've sent it to your agent to censor them, the power and ability you have to make sure that that gets to the director's laptop or whoever as a passing director, pretty much out of your way. Okay. Unless, unless you've worked with them before, yeah. and they specifically ask for you, or whatever, it's kind of lap of the gods at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting to be fair. I didn't realise that's kind of, uh, that's how it worked. But um, the, the next point I wanted to discuss is, um, like from, from things I've watched before, and it, I think it's the same with a lot of industries, people say that, you know, whether it's like when you do your casting, if it's film or television, sometimes it can be a bit cutthroat. You know, you walk in and people listen to you for like a couple of minutes and say, next, that kind of thing. Is that actually reality or is it not as bad as people try and make out with how cutthroat it is at times that's a question about people that is yeah so yeah about the industry so is that the rule for the industry a hundred percent no mm. but are people a hundred percent the same no no so you are going to encounter at some point if you don't you're very lucky at some point you are going to encounter somebody you're doing your best, you know, you're nervous, you've been learning this thing for days, it's, you know, your skin, you need this job more than anything, it's the end of the, you know, it's just the most important thing in the world, and you're giving your heart and soul, and you will come across somebody sat there reading the text, not bothering, or you do get the ones, you know, some people have in the past been quite rude, mm. and they sort of, yeah, you get, very rarely you might get the feeling that, you know, you're just not their type of person, not yeah. their type uh, class of person, maybe. Mm. But, you know, whatever it is, or they just don't like you for some reason. And yeah, they can let you know. But, generally speaking, for 90, 95, 98, 99% of the time, you know, even if you're crap, they'll smile and say thank you very much for your time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like sometimes it's not in their interest to make you feel like a like a wanker or anything because then you don't want to go back to them, people don't want to see them, they get a reputation for mm. whatever, you 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Just give me 10 seconds, because I thought I was properly prepared, but my laptop's on 1%, and if it dies, then uh, I might. you might have to uh, tell me to fuck off. I haven't got, I haven't got the roll. Bear with me just for one minute, mate. I think Joe Rogan's job's safe for the minute, to be fair. Uh, yeah, he just took a big sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah, he's lit, he's lit a big old joint. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm safe. Just about <laughs> Funny. So but that's what I was going to say, actually, from when you were saying sometimes you will encounter people that are a bit like rude or a bit dismissive. But it's like yourself, because you've always done it, you've done it for because it's a passion not because first of all you want to be chasing some massive paycheck so sometimes it can actually be beneficial in terms of your character building if you come across the odd person like that because you have to take the odd you know knock to the chin or the odd struggle because if it was easy like if every person you encountered like casting director was lovely and everything was great then everyone would kind of make it whereas i think sometimes it's, it probably is kind of good for you in a way Yeah. Doesn't mean you get gig. Yeah, yeah. So it is actually, it's a nicer process. You know, I, if you've gone in and you've smashed it, you're very emotional, obviously you would expect everyone to be happy and nice. Mm. If you've gone in there and you, for whatever reason, you've had a brain freeze, you're, you're, the way you took the scene or the script or the character is totally different to the way anybody else did. Trust me, no one will feel more of a CUNT than you already will yourself. Yeah, yeah. Let someone double down on that and just really confirm exactly how you're feeling. Just so you can go out of the room and really think about, shit, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> it's not nice and it's not, it's not conducive. Nah, nah, nah. You know, listen, the, 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 greatest, the greatest actors in the world will have encountered that role, that character... It just wasn't for them. Yeah, mm. or they just weren't very good at. And you know, if they had been made to feel that way on that day, they may have then never gone on to do this performance that gave them confidence, and then to this performance, and then lo and behold, you got you know a phenomenal actor on your hands. You know. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see. But, I, what you're saying about uh, just to jump on what you're saying about the negative side of it though. Yeah, I mean, constructive criticism is what we call it. Yeah, yeah, weird. yeah. So constructive criticism, like, you know, really, you need to go away and think about X, Y, and Z. Uh, really, you should have worked harder than this. Uh, it was good what you did, but I think you should think about this. Constructive criticism is, is gold dust. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody's shit doesn't stick. Everybody can improve and, you know... I always used to say you stop learning the day you die. So, in that sense, yeah, constructive criticism is good, but that's very different to someone going, excuse me, piss up. Yeah, of course, of course. I think I think that's what I was trying to get at, to be honest, is I feel like we're probably my generation and definitely the generation below, like I've got a younger sister. I feel like until now, you know, God bless, you know, anyone who's passed away or anyone who's going through mental health problems, is that my generation and the generation below, in, in large respects, have probably had it quite easy and everything's kind of wrapped in cotton wool and it's all like, oh, you know, yeah, you, you know, that was great, but this, this and this. But it's like sometimes you do need that, not too harsh, but you do need that negative criticism because otherwise, you know, it, if you just wrap everything up in cotton wool all the time, then it's, it's a bit too... 100%. I won't tell you the story, but I will tell you... Who... So I heard a story a few days ago very generous story from an actor musician called Ashley Walker. Yeah, yeah. Ashley Ashley for the Soul Solid fans. Now, Ashley told a story about him being on a movie 
working with a very big, respected director, a very big, massive move. And he told a very generous story about him not really being in the moment, being up for it, and him getting a harsher wage which then did wake him up and he went on, went on to smash the film and, you know, he's, he's having an amazing career. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 needs, it needs to happen. But, you know, much like, um, listen, much like, to bring it back to the beginning, much like Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson, yeah, you've got to know who needs a hairdryer, who needs a football boot on the eyebrow, <laughs> who just needs an arm around the shoulder and a talking to, because as I also said, we're all different as people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what works in one moment for one won't for another, will for another. Yeah. The, the, the greatest managers, directors, fucking business people are mm. the ones that doesn't do one rule fits all. Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting actually because I think man management is a big thing and like you're saying if you're dealing with a massive cast you know you've got so many different individuals in terms of their personality obviously you know your personality is going to be very different from you know the next actor or actress so next to you so if, they, if they're all you know treating you the same then it's it's probably not 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 going to work is it in terms of delivering you know like a really great film or series or whatever Yeah, yeah. They literally shrink in front of you and they're never going to be able to give you the best of them because they've got all these boundaries and they've got in front of them. Yeah. So, in that sense, it's about knowing who to, who to shout at or who to be hard, who to be soft, who to maybe give a bit of both, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, the, the next point I wanted to discuss, which I've always been really interested in, is. Like over the years, you know, you played some real quality roles, whether it was um, your role in The Mark of Cain or whether it was bothering Green Street, you know, loads of different kinds of roles. What kind of process do you go through when you're getting into character? So just purely as an example, when you're in The Mark of Cain, like, did you spend any time with soldiers who'd served in Afghanistan or with Green Street? Did you speak to any, obviously you're not going to name names, but any football hooligans or anything like that? Like, what kind of process do you go through when you're when you're getting into character? Okay, so yeah, so good question. So the Mark Kane, uh, this would be this would be common for a lot of films. What you do is before you start filming something, now this can be an army film, this could be horses and swords, this could be anything, anything where there's a lot of technical stuff that has to be put on camera because if it doesn't, everyone go, I don't believe it. You got shit. This is. <laughs> So you'll have what is called a boot. Right. Now, if it's the army one, uh, so we went off and we we had, I mean, for the whole shoot, we had um, an ex-power with us. Mm. Uh, and then we would go off and we would do, like, team bonding things. You know, most of us back then could strip and reassemble rifle in a matter of minutes, do you know what I mean? Um we knew the formations, we knew protocol, they, they, they put you through it, so it's a bit dissimilar, so you know that SAS who bears weakness? Yeah, yeah. So like that, but obviously, I think they're less into to that with that. There was one, it was like a forceful prison one on TV years ago. So imagine that, so they'll, they'll have you with your kit, making your kit clean, They'll drum into you. They'll drum into you the psyche and the mentality of a soldier. Yeah. And then all you have to do is do your acting for your character, if, if that makes sense. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that was what we did with that. You know, you'll. It will be great on a technical front because, as I say, you'll you'll learn all this stuff. You know, you'll learn all that side of things that you need. But equal and maybe more than that. One-on-one time with them, where they tell you stories. Stories mm. I've not told anyone. Stories. I'll remember. I'm not going to repeat it, but I remember being told a story by this by JJ uh, in particular, and it took me weeks to get to the point of getting to the story. And it's a story that a lot of ex-military just don't like talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to say what it is. It's pretty obvious. Mm. Um, so you get those insights which 
part of why I love the business, when these things happen, right, so in the immediate, it informs you for your character and gives you a load of extra emotion to the backstory of the table. So it helps you with your character. Yeah. Which helps you look good on the screen, which after the film's finished, you've then just heard this fucking amazing story first hand that you're going to win. So it's blessing you as the individual in your life, you're learning stuff. Right, it's blessing you in terms of your craft because it's helping you give a better performance. Mm. So, you know, it's just a, it's a thing. So, again, with, with Green Street, um, you know, I'm, I'm from the football world, so... Yeah, probably a bit natural getting into role. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I've been going to Tottenham for ages. Yeah. Know, Was he not hard playing a West Ham fan? <laughs> when you finish it you thought fucking hell that, that was hard whether it's you know getting into character for it or uh, I mean I used to find I used to find I, I probably still I mean I still would I'm not giving it like I used to find Shakespeare a bit, a bit tricky a bit mm. tricky a bit tricky to learn it was almost for me it was like almost learning a foreign language yeah it's a different language isn't it it's mad exactly so whereas on a normal contemporary Scripts, yeah, you've got to learn the thing, but the words flow better because they're words that you would use yourself or words that you would hear or this. For Shakespeare, it was almost, it's not as, but it's almost like learning another language. You know what I mean, you said it's because um, it doesn't come so naturally the way to speak. And, yeah. And then, and then if you add in the beats of the beats of Shakespeare as well, it gets even more complicated. So Shakespeare's, yeah, I loved it, and it's some of the things that I've got the most out of. But it's always been very tricky. Um, what other stuff? Yeah, I stoned Brian Jones. That was a million miles away from me. Um, when I got the, obviously I'd auditioned for it, but uh, it's not too much stretch. I've never heard of Brian Jones playing as the lead, but I've never heard of him. I could have told you who Mick Jagger and Keith Richards was. I'm not listening to the Stones. I probably could have told you. I don't know. You know, Satisfaction. This, no, the obvious one. Yeah, yeah. And then literally, boom, I was on this big film, some of Britain's best fucking actors, around at the time, uh, David Morrissey, fucking Ben Whitshaw. Yeah, yeah. Some real, like, powerhouse actors. Stephen Woolley was the director who is one of our most uh, successful and, and lauded producers. And beyond that, I was getting all these people messaging Yeah, yeah. When you've got nothing, when you've got nothing, like, you 
know, some period piece, though, you don't know what that era was really like. Mm. Um, you know, you know, if you see films from back in the day, proper period films, you know how like people spoke. It was a different, a different pace of speaking, and you know, like how the Queen speaks is different to how a lot of people today speak. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that, that's that's some really good uh, pieces of advice there. So, obviously, Green Street now is that? I think I was about year seven or year eight. Was it? Is it about fourteen years old now? That film. Mad that is how quickly time flies. I still remember watching it now, and I remember yeah. going going to school in a Helly Hansen and a fucking Burberry scarf, thinking I was part of the firm. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I couldn't hit water if I fucking fell out of a boat. <laughs> but did you expect like the role that you played there as as bothering? Don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from you know all the other roles that you've done. Did you expect it to still now? You know, people recognise you as that role probably more than. What Elijah Wood or Charlie Hunnam did in that film? Did you expect it to still be recognised now, or at the time you just think, oh, I'll just, I'll just do it and see what comes of it, kind of thing? It's a similar question that that journalist asked me. So yeah, okay. So at the time, okay, at the time, I knew we had a film of a sort of level, and I reckon, and that was simply quite well. It was a, so it was a Hollywood film. It was based out of Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. 
and there's a massive fuck off mural of me on this fucking wall. It's in the picture from Green Street. It's one where I'm like smoking a fag and looking up. Yeah, yeah. And it's on this fucking massive mural. And this was like, as I say, it was within the last 12 months, which is 14 years going back since the bloody film came out. And so it's, 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 did I know it was going to become a cult, a cult film? Uh, you know, it's got to be a cult film. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, did, I, did I or anyone know that? No, there'd, there'd have to be a liar or prop arrogant to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's amazed me, and, you know, and it's, you know, through that, obviously, you know, it, it's, it's, it's led to collaboration with Weekend Defender. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about next. Is, is that kind of where it stemmed from, like the role that you did there then? Is it Alessandro, is it, you mentioned in your video that runs... Weekend Defender, or is it a collection of people? No, Weekend Defender, no, that's that's maybe Weekend Defender Milan. Ah, right, okay. They've got a story in Milan. Uh, no, um, the uh, the Grand Fromages at Weekend Defender are uh, a guy called Aaron and a guy called Sam. Mm. Uh, very, very good friends of mine, um, you know, and yeah, good boys. I mean, the whole, the whole team is great. Um, but yeah, I think we sort of. I think the two, the two entities, if you will, Weekend Defender as a brand, and me. Yeah. Being for that film, being that I do go to football, being, you know, whatever. whatever. <laughs> I think I think it's a good uh, it's a good match. You say it's a good. Yeah, match. yeah. It's worked it's worked very well, and. Uh, that's what I was going to say to be fair is uh, that new collection that's coming on the 29th especially the the signature on the arm the level of detail in that is is fucking next level to be fair did, did you have a say in that yourself I mean how much input do you have in terms of the the design and I do uh, so obviously yeah I do have a say in discussing earlier on around uh just going back to film at the moment it's not imperative to like move to london because there's so much uncertainty and i know obviously you know you're not a fucking mystic mag you haven't got a crystal ball to predict what the future holds but in terms of like your experience in like a post-covid-19 world do you feel like like with the film industry a lot of people are maybe going to have to take pay cuts. You know, is there going to be less budgets for films? What What do you possibly foresee, like the film or TV industry being like in in future, depending on how things turn out? Listen, do you know what? You called it when you said uh, none of us have got a crystal ball. So mm. I would I would be purely speculating, which in the wrong hands would be chatting utter shit. Mm. Um, so. Uh, Okay, look, what can, what can I answer? In the world that we're living in now, we need to employ COVID officers, 
COVID inspector off that's on the step. Need to spray everything down a million times a day. Everything that comes from the outside world, be it a prop, whatever, has got to be COVID safe. All of that's going to cost money. Yeah, yeah. So either suddenly people are finding big budget that they weren't finding before, or that money's got to come from somewhere, which will come from budgets, um, which means it can mean slightly less in people's paychecks. Um, I would hate for that to be improved. You know, they work hard enough, um, you know, and not always made to pay. You know, so I would hate for that. But yeah, it can trickle down mathematically into wages. It can trickle down into less toys, cameras, and types of toys got to play with. It could possibly uh, manifest in, if we're talking low budget, be the difference between a six week and a five week shoot or a four week shoot, so you could lose a week shoot. Uh, budgets are going to have to be balanced somehow. Um, look, do I think the big networks and studios haven't done well enough over the years to make a wide store? Yeah, yeah. I, I do think they probably can. Mm. Like, like anything in life and like anything in COVID, um, it's always the shit doubles down it so it's poor people that are going to be affected by the virus or poor people that are going to be affected by furlough stopping by you know and sadly the inevitable job losses um, and all of those things so to take that kind of spark conversation yeah no, yeah no budget filmmaking no budget filmmaking that might have been achievable on Three, four, five hundred grand, whatever, bloody, bloody, a little bit up that. It's gonna, yeah, it's the, the, the more percentage of that budget they've got now to spend on COVID, yeah. it's gonna be mad. Also, look, let me just tell you this, just to show you the madness that's going on. So, um, a friend a friend is shooting something down in Wales, mm. so they started shooting it. And they could travel backwards and forwards of a weekend to England, to London, to Ireland, to go and see a boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. Um, then suddenly Wales gets shut. So now they're locked in Wales. Fucking no, With no stuff because they didn't know they were going to be there the whole time. And if they leave to get it, they won't be able to get back. And that means not, not seeing the partner for the rest of the gig now. Um, plus, there's cast who weren't already in Wales. And you've got to get them. I mean, just yeah, it's it's such a it's such a clusterfuck at the minute. Um, mm. Shout out to uh, Andy Loveday and Nick Neville. They're shooting. Um, Rise of the Foot Soldier. They're doing, aren't they? At the minute. They're shooting Rise Origins at the moment, so I know they'll be they'll be dealing with all that sort of nonsense. Um, but yeah, so look, it's, it's I, I can't really think too much past the COVID world because. Look, we were told we were told we were told to lock down for a period of time and we were gonna be okay and it ain't okay, ain't getting better and places, places where where you are now we're getting locked down and tier threes and this and that and yeah, you know, when they wanna give it new names, circuit breaker, that and that. I can't until just just for me, because I'm so entrenched in it, I think we're all so entrenched in it. Mm. Just to take on a different thing, I bumped into a couple of girls the other day on the Paseo down here, a couple of girls that I knew. Like, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then I think I or them was like, uh, oh, yeah, so what's going on with your COVID? And how's it been? Blah, 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 blah. And how's your summer been? And one of the girls turns around and goes, right, that's it. I've had enough. No more COVID chat. <laughs> tumbleweed, 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 because no one's got anything else to really talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my point is, I can't really see beyond the COVID world. Mm. Because, you know, is it is it old normal, new normal? <laughs> is it the Great Reset? You know, all these. Yeah. You know, all these different things. So you know, it's it's really it's really hard to say. All I can say for now is. 
is congratulations and good luck to anybody working for those that aren't working just try you know keep your head up keep the faith keep as positive as you can you're going to have bad days and we've all just got to not fucking rethink reboot retrain how about refuck on definitely no, I, I couldn't agree more mate to be fair um I'm just mindful of the fact we've, we've only got a few minutes left. I suppose probably the, the best way to conclude would be from someone like yourself who's been there, done it, you know, you've got the knowledge and the experience. And I know, you know, you can't really tailor your advice too much to COVID because no one really knows what's going to happen. But what general advice would you have for any like aspiring actors or, or actresses that, you know, that they probably know they're pretty good and they really want to make it. What what things have you learned over the years that you feel like might benefit people that are coming up? Okay, again, very tricky. What I would have said to people, what I would have said to people pre this nonsense would have been, um, do whatever you can to act. Join a local theatre group. Gone. Yeah. Try and, try and if you've got, you know, if your pub's got a theatre upstairs, downstairs to them try and get in with them mm. uh, you know uh, try and do workshops again I'm not going to keep going <laughs> you, get, you get my fucking yeah yeah of course it's very, very tricky right now so all I would say again I'm not I'm, I'm not the expert on this one what I would say would be you know if there are films and directors and actors and artists and DJs that inspire you try and you know, try and immerse yourself in them, try and study your craft, try and practice your craft, even though it's not going to be in front of a camera, right? Yeah. Crowd in front. Try and keep, keep active as much as you can, keep in it as much as you can, because if you go, all right, I'll come back to my decks, or I'll come back to my acting, or I'll come back to whatever your vocation in life is, I'll mm. come back when this is over, how long's a piece of string? When's it going to be over? What have you forgotten in the period that you've left it alone? Yeah. When everything opens up, do you then have to re-practice for a few months because you're all rusty again? Yeah. And, uh, I, it, would, it would be... I feel like that's the difficulty that people are having is especially like everyone I'm working with in the music industry is because there's no end sight of when things are going to return to normal, it is difficult to keep that motivation if you don't know what you're working towards so and and it is understandable because everyone's going to be losing motivation you know if, if you're an actor or an actress it's just broke through and you know your tip to be going on to do big things and then everything's pretty much grinding to a halt or if you're a dj that literally just broke through signed to a massive agency then you're going to think fucking hell like you know you, you try and stay motivated but it's it's that uncertainty isn't it so 100 percent. true story two days ago so a writing partner we're doing we're writing a film at a minute we've been developing a couple of comedy shows anyway we're writing this film at a minute we were supposed to do some writing two days ago yeah he called me up, i just went oh bruv do you know what i've got zero motivation mm. i, I could have just not on a depressed one but i, I could have just stayed in bed all day because i had a real day of, what's the point of going, what's the point of going for me brunch what's the point of going to the gym What's the point of even getting that fit? None of it matters. Mm. in anything. Do you know what I mean? And then you just got to keep going. So to finish, the analogy that I would use, I know it's not necessarily a creative art or whatever, but if people can buy into what I'm saying, what you just said. So you're an up and coming boxer. Yeah. And a couple of fights, you're making a name for yourself. You, you, you're, you're getting a little, you're selling some tickets. COVID is. Mm. Do you A, go fuck it, I'm going to get out of shape, get on the burgers, get on the beers, when COVID's over, I'll start training again. Yeah. Or do you B, maybe not train like you're training for a fight, but do you keep yourself a good check weight, mm. keep yourself a bit active, yeah. study, study some old fights and fighters, and just keep one foot in it. Yeah. And that, that, if you can take the mentality of that and you can apply it to what I'm saying with the acting, the DJ, and, uh, you know, all the, the bands, the artists, the, you know, whatever. Mm. It, it may not work for everyone, but for those that go, yeah, I see what you're 
saying, keep active, keep a foot in. You know, the easiest thing in the world for, for us is to say, right, everyone's like, when this first happened, we'll be able, darling, just write, write. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Nice one though, mate. I mean, I, I would like to speak more, but there's literally 10 seconds left. So I just want to say I really appreciate...